Alrighty, guys. Welcome. Come uh, grab a seat if you're here for this workshop. For the next hour and a half, we've got a workshop looking at the very sexy topic of leadership development systems. Uh, and I hope my goal is by the end of... Uh, yeah, you should leave, Dan. Uh, my goal is by the end of the workshop, you will find this uh, very exciting thing to do. Uh, a little bit about myself. My name's Scott. This is my family. Uh, Merrin and Mackenzie are around at the conference these few days. It's taken at Mother's Day. Mackenzie's six months old on the weekend. She's still kind of in the pot plant phase of parenting, which is really easy at the moment. I'm the ministry pastor at Hunter Bible Church up in Newcastle. Uh, we have a 40 kilo dog named Denzel, after my favourite actor, Denzel Washington. I grew up on the central coast uh, in a little town called Watanabe. That's Watanabe. Uh, it made a current affair twice after they found out it wasn't an indigenous name, but it was actually named after me. Uh, and I, I went to uni um, as a non-Christian, uh, studied physiotherapy and actually became a Christian through the ministry of Hunter Bible Church and have been there ever since. Uh, we're partnering... By partnering, Greg has done a great job of his development systems and delegated this workshop predominantly to me. Um, a little bit that you, Greg shared a fair bit last night, I'll, I'll share a bit more about him on his behalf. He's a father of four. He's far too comfortable in budgie smugglers. Uh, he swims every, most mornings. His whole wardrobe is actually sourced from op shops. Uh, and he has this unusual hobby of uh, trimming and collecting bonsais, and he likes to dress up as he trims them, apparently. Uh, but he is a fantastic senior pastor to work under, uh, and I have been very blessed to be um, part of Hunter Bible Church and um, develop myself as part of uh, all of the pastors that are there. Uh, and so today, this workshop is mostly stolen from uh, everything that I've observed them do, uh, as well as a bunch of reading, and I think the the one helpful thing that I've brought to the team is just bringing a bit more clarity into what they've been doing intuitively in developing leaders. So the workshop, what we'll do today, I'll tell you a little bit about Hunter Bible Church, just to give you a bit of context. Um, we're going to chat a little bit about some of the problems and challenges with leadership development. Uh, I want to give some principles and foundations, and then we're going to look at some systems to that. So that's how it's going to work. Happy for it to be interactive. Um, and, but I will try and work through it so we can have about a half hour at the end of just um, bouncing around questions and in trying to think through your particular ministry context. Uh, now, Hunter Bible Church, we're four congregations. Um, we started our fourth congregation uh, about seven or eight months ago down towards, Lake, 20 minutes south, down towards Lake Macquarie. Uh, I was brought, brought on to the team as the focus pastor to help set that up. And I've just flicked forward heaps. Um, we've got about a thousand people, just over a thousand people who would call HBC their church. Uh, in growth groups, that means we have about 650 as part of our members in growth groups. Um, we have 70% of people in groups formerly in a ministry team. Um, so that's about 460 people. And we run the M model as a church. And so our ministry teams work heavily down through the M's, 
And so in our magnification team, which is kind of Sundays and musics, their purpose is about helping the whole congregation bring glory to God. There's 133 people in that team. Uh, Mission has 50. Membership has 105. Maturity has 152. The ministry team, which I've just kind of started, has 12. But is building. Kids has about 100 people who serve in kids as well. Um, now, we we've, we've, uh, believe heavily in the value of uh, MTS as a church and its kingdom value as an evangelism strategy to raise up and multiply gospel workers. And so as a church, we've trained 56 MTSs uh, since 2000, uh, 74% of which have gone into vocational ministry. Um, and so currently at church, uh, we have nine MTS trainees that we're training at the moment. Now, I want you guys just to chat to the person next to you. I want you to ask the person uh, and throw this around for a couple of minutes. What are some of the, the challenges or the struggles that we face in raising up leaders? So what are some of the challenges or struggles that we may have in raising up leaders? Have a chat with the person next to you. And I'll bring it back in a couple of minutes. All righty, bring it back in. Just throw some around. What were some of the things you were discussing? What are some of the problems or challenges uh, you might face or we face in raising up leaders? I've got lots of people from NESB, very different backgrounds from church, Western. Yeah, yeah. so ability to kind of contextualise for those groups, things yeah. like that. I'm trying to work out what does it look like in the band. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, how do we assimilate them to becoming that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, it's, it's good. Others? Busyness. Yep, time poor. Yep, shifting demographics, those kind of things. Yep. Yep, that's hard. Yeah, I know, it's that time thing. Like, why don't they just rock up and know what to do? It's frustrating. Yep. I, um, I, I was at a conference uh, just as a fly on the wall last year um, uh, in Sydney, in the Sydney context, where this same question was thrown around. Um, and the pastors named three big things off the bat that were thrown around these three big things for the first 10 minutes. They were Generation Y are dumb. We have an idolatry of work, um, basically because of Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavour. Uh, and the busyness of life has just, we're in a busy culture. Now, what do you notice about all those three things? They're all nothing to do with me as the leader. Um, and I want to suggest today that even if those external factors are true, it is still our responsibility to pass to them through those external factors, as well as taking a good hard look at ourselves in terms of how we are going in developing leaders and things like that. Um, at the FYC conference, Hunter Bible Church, part of FYC, um, a guy called Tim Sims, um, who's done a lot of work with MTS um, and investing in leadership and thinking through that stuff, um, showed a, um, stats on pastors on some surveys that he'd done. Um, I've got no idea about it, but the, the whole point that came out of these stats was that we're great as leaders as um, casting vision, um, but we're really poor at being able to execute strategy. 
Um, and that is what we're looking at today, the kind of the leadership development systems. A few other challenges I think that we face as pastors internally, uh, we feel too busy, um, so we're not prioritising or managing our time. Now, I don't know if many of you have seen this kind of grid. Um, I think this is a helpful tool on top of what Toby shared last night in analysing what we are doing with our time. Um, but you've got on one axis up the top, you've got urgent and non-urgent, and then you have important things and non-important things. And as pastors, I think we're often in crisis mode, we've got a sermon prep or something's happened, we've got a pastoral conversation to have, there's lots of things going on here, and then we get so tired that we have to just binge on Netflix or you know, crash out on the couch or those kind of things to recharge, and we jump back into quadrant one, we go, we go, we go, we go. Um, and I want to suggest that our leadership development systems in, and our systems as pastors in general actually help us, and our convictions, which they're driven from, um, help us move into this quadrant of the important non-urgent things, um, which is where we're doing our planning and our strategies to try and move forward. Um, so that's one of, the, one of the things. We feel a bit too busy and our time management can, can get better. Um, another thing is I think we lack identifiable pathways. Um, now, I'm going to talk about that a bit later, but we find the people who are eager, the humble and hungry guys, they're eager to get into ministry, but the ones who don't approach us or the ones who aren't super keen, we, we kind of don't know what to do with. Or we might have a bunch of people who are keen to serve, but we don't really have a clear plan for what we're going to do with them or how we're going to develop them. And we want to invest and equip people, but we don't exactly know, you know, do we do that on a one-to-one basis? How do you kind of do that at a group level and those kind of things? And I think that comes back to a lack of a pathway. A lot of people uh, would say, and Greg's encouraged me to say this one, that people will often say, our situation is unique. So it's really hard in our context um, to do this. I want to suggest that the systems that we're going to look at actually apply to all of our context. They'll look different, but the principles will still be there and we can apply them to all of our situations. Um, And we're not equipped at this. It's another problem. We're... Um, We are big on getting theologically equipped, which is good and important, um, but we're not so big on getting equipped in thinking through systems and strategies and those kind of things, uh, which are really important. Um, When we did this at staff meeting um, a couple of weeks ago, um, someone, I think this was really pointed, I didn't have it, but it's helpful to have, is what are we modelling about leadership? Um, So are we modelling that leadership is a privilege, that it is awesome, that it is exciting to be serving God's people, um, or are we busy, tired, grumpy in our own leadership? That's a good one to ask ourselves. Uh, And another one is that we can sometimes think that structure is the enemy and is against what we're trying to do spiritually. Um, Now, I think there is a warning that we can wrongly think Um, When we talk about leadership development, we talk about the pragmatics too much. Um, My heart can get focused on the trellis and it needs reminding to come back to the vine and to people and the proclamation of the word and prayer. Um, But structure is still a helpful thing that builds out of those foundations. And so systems help us be good stewards of God's plan, his mission to grow his kingdom. So let's um, look at some of the principles and foundations of leadership. Uh, The first one uh, is character. 
So the character of a leader is of utmost importance. We have a saying at church that character should come before competency. Um, And I think it's a really helpful thing that we want when we're raising up people into leadership. We want people who are godly examples of Jesus, that they love him to bits, um, they're keen to pray, they dig into their word, and their lives reflect um, who he is. Uh, And this pushes against sometimes a, a way we can view ministry of just filling gaps We need a job done, so we'll throw anyone in there. Um, We need to think long and hard about the people we put into different positions based on their character. Um, Another principle that drives us is the conviction. So without this, leadership development won't be motivating. It won't be something that drives us. And so conviction is the passion and the truth that fuel us to develop leaders. Um, Now, I think... Uh, Greg shared last night about his conviction driven. I think that he has done a great job of our staff in really driving home some of our convictions. So when I started MTS, I came on a staff team and the first thing he takes his MTSs through is theological convictions about ministry. So he wants us to get, before we get into the pragmatics and systems, that ministry is about people, proclamation and prayer. That's the heart of ministry. It's simple. Um, And that's the first thing that we need to keep first. Jesus is the centre of all of that. Uh, And then he goes through five other big theological convictions. That everything is about God's glory. That he is sovereign and so we pray to him. And we rely on him in prayer for everything we do. He is relational and so discipleship, leadership development happens in the context of those relationships. That God transforms people by his word. He's a speaking God. And so that's got to be at the foundation of anything that we're doing uh, and that he is growing his kingdom. And so we should pray big prayers expecting God to answer them because he is saving souls um, and he's doing that for his glory. And those theological convictions then drive into different ministry convictions and habits in ministry in terms of (laughs) prayer, building teams, um, a bunch of different stuff that we then work through. And what's happened on our staff team is that uh, out of that conviction then grows a culture of leadership development. So that's kind of the pattern, behaviour of sayings and things like that that happen, a culture on our team. And so our our team will often quote things like character over competency. We've got to keep working on the ministry and trying to work out how you can work less in the ministry. So continuing to raise people up we're trying, one of the things we'll often say is how can we keep giving over people more and more responsibility? How can we give over some of the control and take risks in some people? Um, one of the things we say is keep trying to do yourself out of a job. So you're continually raising people up. Let young eagles fly, still with character over confidence though. Um, one of the other things that I'm trying to bring in is let people say no. Um, I got this out of Craig Hamilton's uh, book, Wisdom and Leadership, and I think one of the things we often do, particularly in a larger church, is we often assume people are in a situation where they can't do ministry or they can't do this particular ministry, and so we never actually even ask the question and um, and invite them into ministry. Um, And delegate what you you can do um, to train people up in, in the things that you are doing. Greg keeps encouraging us to invest in our teams and our leaders um, and we're always with an M model, I don't know if you know much about the M models, there's a risk of siloing in your different ministry teams and so one of the cultural convictions that Greg keeps pushing us is that we've got to put the big team first 
And that's really important to leadership development. Because if I, it means I'm not going to necessarily hold on to my person in my team for the sake of God's kingdom. Um, and so leadership development has become part of the culture of our team. And then that drips down to our ministry teams in terms of the way we communicate about leadership development um, and raising people up. Um, and that drips down into the church and into our preaching, into our growth group material, all those kind of things. Um, so big principles, character first, conviction, culture. Um, Eric Geiger, who's a guy in America with Lifeway Church Resources, says if you have systems, the things we're about to look at, but you lack any conviction, then you're have a church that's full of apathy. So if you have the systems but you don't have conviction, you're going to have a church that's full of apathy because they don't have that drive. If you have the systems without that culture happening, then you're going to have a church of exhaustion and you're going to feel exhausted. Um, and if you have conviction but you don't have the systems in place, then you're going to have frustration. You don't have a clear plan of how to get people from A to B. Um, and then I think that leads us to some shifts in leadership development that I've kind of noticed around our networks a little bit. Um, and these kind of lead into the way we go about developing our systems. Um, so leadership development is not only one-to-one ministry, but we need to think about it in the complexity of multi-layers of our churches on Sunday, of our teams, our tasks in ministry, ministry in our growth groups, as well as one-to-one ministry. And so I think we need to make a shift in seeing there's a complexity of discipleship and leadership development within multiple layers. Um, another thing that we can fall in the trap of doing is seeing um, ministry as rosters, events and tasks and jobs. Um, and we need to make a shift from seeing how ministry should work as an ongoing pathway, um, as part of our discipleship um, and we, we work that out through teams, that pathway, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, and that shapes the way ministry becomes. So it's less about being a transactional ministry where they're just there to do a job, to fill a spot, and it becomes transformational. So let me illustrate this. Um, a transactional ministry, I'm going to use the same team, a welcome team. This is what a transactional welcome team looks like. Um, it assumes that all the discipleship has been happening through growth groups and Sunday gatherings um, and maybe in a couple of one-to-ones here and there. They rock up an hour early for church for setup and welcoming and they've actually been, it's their growth group really, it's just they've been rostered on for that Sunday. Um, and they rock up about an hour earlier, they set up the room, they fold some outlines, they check the toilets are clean, they set up the tea and coffee, bring the supper out um, and then they move to their posts and smile as people come in. That's a transactional kind of view of ministry. Let me give you a picture of what we try and do with our welcome team in a transformational way. On the Sunday, they rock up an hour earlier. A growth group is rostered on, but in coordination with a team that is always there because we want to, our growth groups come through because we want to communicate that everyone's job is welcoming, not just the welcome teams. Um, the team, in particular, mingle for a bit, talk about what's been happening in their lives. One of the team might share of how something hard's been going on at work. The leader then shares a devotional from God's Word that he's taken the time to prepare. Uh, he teaches it with insight and, and applies it to his team and what it means for them. Then he gives them the big picture of vision again of why they are there that Sunday. 
So they are there as part of the whole body of Christ, serving the whole body of Christ in what they're doing. And they're there to help people get connected with God's family, get connected with Jesus, with his gospel. And hopefully, through their ministry, it will be effective in saving souls and bringing Jesus glory. And so he he gives that big picture of the vision. He reminds the team of the privilege it is to serve God and to serve his team. And then he chats about the new people that they know about, where they're at, how they've been going in follow-up, maybe some things that we can help them or, or ways that we can love them more. Um, they've been, there's a process of training behind the scenes that's been ongoing every term um, where they're thinking through things like how it feels to be a new person at church. Um, you know, We don't only want to welcome them, but we want to love them. They've been trained not to assume the new person is a Christian, which we can fall in the habit of doing Here's how a conversation might look like with them. Let's do a bit of role-playing. And because they've caught the vision, um, where our prayer is, they're not just going to stop and say, hey, this is how you get connected with church. You go to this thing and then they'll tell you about it. It's great. We hope that they'll go the extra mile and actually connect them with people, follow them up outside of Sunday and things like that. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, but that's our goal and that's what we're trying to accomplish. Then they get on with the Ministry of Welcoming And then that leader strategically places himself next to the person who shared about the tough stuff that's been going on at work. And in the process of welcoming, he actually has a pastoral conversation with that person to love them. So he's thinking of his team as well as their role. Um, And then they welcome and prayerfully, hopefully, do whatever it takes to make people feel welcomed, encouraged and connected to church. And then after the service, the team gathers again. They debrief on how they've gone. Um, and then they'll pray, um, and that's a picture of a transformational team for, for welcoming. Um, very different to a transactional view of ministry, that it's just a job you're there to do. We want to build discipleship and all those kind of things into our teams. So let me get on to some of the systems then. Um, if it clicks, there we go. Oh, hey. All right, well, you, you get to see ahead of where we're going. All right, structuring for Kingdom Growth. Four big systems that we're just going to talk about a few things through it. Structuring for Kingdom Growth. Identifying leaders. We'll look at a leadership pathway that we use. um, And then equipping and investing leaders. I might give you this, Greg, to... Yeah, so it should have the four up, those four things. Structuring for Kingdom Growth identifying leaders, um, a leadership pathway, and equip and invest. You might have to sit behind the computer or get, I don't know. All right, structuring for kingdom growth. Now, this is a strategic focus, um, and it's kind of a pathway of how you go about strategic thinking. You've got to assess now where we're at now. Um, Now, you can do this for your whole church, We do that as a whole church, but you can do that within ministry teams as well. Um, And you can do this at an individual level as well, one-to-one, this whole process. So you assess where the situation is at now. You have the vision and the future of where you want to go. And then you've got to work out, make a plan and execute how you're going to do that. Now, as I said before, I think the thing that we're strong on is the future, the vision of where we want to go. Sometimes we don't like to define where we are now or where our reality is because it can be a bit discouraging. 
um, or where, you know, we don't want to look at exactly assess where things are at the moment. That can be a hard thing to do. Um, but it's really important to us in our humility that we know we need to have an accurate assessment of where the flock is at uh, so that we can do a better job of pastoring them, even if that's a hard inward look of what we're not doing well. And that's how we've got to grow in that in, in pastors and stop being proud about that. You cast the vision, the future, thinking through, I'm going to give you a picture of what this looks like practically. Make a plan and then you execute it and then you've got to reassess it. So the, that's the bottom one, reassessment. They're the kind of steps. Um, now let me give you an example of this in our maturity, um, how, what this looks like for our maturity pastor, uh, Richard Sweatman. Um, we make an assessment of our adults in growth groups. We have 600 people in growth groups. We currently have 120 growth group leaders for that 600. Um, now we forecast, um, we, I was challenged after yesterday that we need to actually forecast 10 years ahead. We've kind of forecast, through, I know Sweaters does three years, one year. Um, forecast ahead and we have a rough growth rate we know we're growing at 10% roughly Um, that's kind of where we've been tracking and so then we set goals that in three years we know if we keep growing at that rate then we need a minimum of 160 litres so that's a gap do the maths that's a gap of 40 litres we need to move into growth group leading over the next 40 years but we want to build extra margin into that Um, so we're not just wanting to survive a growth rate, we're actually wanting to exceed it um, because we're not just thinking about growing the church, we're thinking about the kingdom, thinking about church planning, we're thinking about congregation planning, all those kind of things so that we're not just looking after us but that we can send people as well. And so that means we want to go above those figures and so we set a figure of trying to have 40 uh, for 2018. In this year we want to raise up 40 growth group leaders. Um, so that's, we, we go over to um, building extra margin into that. Then Sweater sits down and goes, all right, how are we going to do this? What's my plan? I'm not just going to pray and hope that it happens. I want to, we do do that and that's more important, but we want to have a plan in pencil as well. And so he develops a thing called our Leaders in Training um, program. Now they meet once a term where he gives the, the big big five things that he wants his growth groups leaders to get. Um, And I'm not going to remember all five. You might have to help me here, Greg. But character, knowledge of God, um, team leadership, two more really important things for our growth group leaders. Jeff, where are you? Is Jeff here? You don't know what he's... You've got your own though? Yeah, good. Um... And then, and so he takes them through that, but not only is it just these once-a-term training nights, he then has coaches um, for his leaders in trainings that then do do a series of one-to-one things to develop them. He then makes their growth group leaders of the growth group that they're involved aware of it, so they're developing them as well. Um, and then, um, so currently we know that we've got 60 people um, in three of our congregations in that leaders in training thing. Um, we're after 40 um, and if we end up with that 60, it means we'll have some extra growth group leaders or we'll move them into other ministries for that year. Um, and so that's how we're going to execute that plan under God. Um, and so then we're thinking, okay, what do I need to do to equip them that year, which was those five things, um, and then you've got to execute it. You've got to go ahead and carry that out um, through a team because he can't do that himself. And then he reassesses each year, how are we going at doing that? Um, 
and that's, I'll talk about that in a second. I think that process is something you can do for your whole church. I think that process is something you can do for ministry teams and something you can do one-to-one with someone, that whole kind of process. Um, and ask questions as you're going through that and retro-engineering. Retro so thinking things like, if that's how big the ministry has to be, that's how big church is going to be, what are things that are going to need to change in the way that we're doing things now? And that's a really hard question to answer, I think. And that's where we need things like this um, or reading uh, podcasts to help us think ahead and work out what are the future barriers that we're going to have down the track that's going to require me to change as a leader and also our systems to potentially change in the way we're doing things. Um, And then the reassessment requires us to measure... Um, goals and outputs. Now we have spiritual goals, we're not just focused on the numbers, um, but the spiritual goals are hard for us to measure, but we need to do that through cultural things and listening to what people are saying. Um, But we want to create a series of feedback loops that help us keep assessing what we're doing. Um, And so the metrics, the numbers are important to that. Um, And then what the impasses of we encourage us all to do as part of this reassessment thing, is we present our, our, these, our plans at the start of every year to the whole staff team. Now, one of the big reasons we do that is because we have MTS, a lot of MTSs come onto our staff team and we want them to catch the whole vision of, it, of what, what all the M's are doing um, at church and what the whole big team's doing. But I think the greater value of us having to assess where we're at each year and carry out this plan is that it actually forces us to carve out the time to actually think about this, um, and then um, it increases our ownership of actually, okay, this is what we've got to do, and it helps Greg hold us accountable um, to our plan. And so then we ask hard questions when things don't go the way we'd plan. Why is that? And that's, if Greg doesn't do that in a way that you're an idiot, why didn't this happen? He does that in an encouraging way to help us then work out how we can um, get better um, in our strategy and things like that. Um, cool. All right, next one, identifying leaders. Um, now, if you've done what Sweaters has done and you know you're, you're planning for 40 growth group leaders this year, all of a sudden what happens to you internally is that this intuitive feeling and, and conviction of us wanting to make disciples, he then, it just increases his antennas even further as he's trying to look for leaders. Now, he can't do that with 600 adults that are already in growth group leaders at church. And so then those antennas extend out um, to the staff team and going, who should we invite to these leaders in training program? Who are the people? And so questions are like, who is humble and hungry at the moment? Who have you been encouraged by? Who's got the godly character? Who's been faithful and they're available and they're teachable so that we can bring them into the program? Um, And we actually do this at another layer for kind of higher level leadership, we make time to do this as a staff team as well. Um, So I explain that. So we kind of have four layers of identifying leaders. We do it individually. So I'm constantly in my DNA is going, oh, how can we move that person up, give them more responsibility? And as I have a chat to someone, I go, oh, that's really encouraging. Have you thought about doing MTS? And they'll just plant that seed and I'll come back to it a little bit later. So we do that intuitively and individually. But then we also try and do it within our ministry teams so thinking, who are, the, who are the people I've got in front of me that I'm trying to lead and develop, um, particularly for this, this team? 
And how can I give that person more responsibility and who can I raise up more? We then have monthly congregation meetings where we have a focus pastor who will say, okay, of this congregation, who's really stood out to you guys lately? Who are, we call them um, BWW, blokes and babes worth watching. Um, who are the people that we can... You can take that, please. Um, who, are, who, are these, who are these guys and girls that we want to keep developing or encourage or give more responsibility to? Or why don't we move them out of that ministry and I think they might be more gifted in there. So we'll do that once or twice a year within those monthly congregation meetings. And then our whole staff meeting um, is given to two of the higher le- layers of leadership and that's identifying our MTSs. Um, so who we want to encourage into MTS and also our M champions, which are our ministry leaders, which I'll talk about in a bit. Um, and that's those, those conversations at staff meeting, again, will happen probably once a term-ish. We'll flag it. Sometimes it's a whole hour. Sometimes it's just you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then once we, div- we identify those people, the next step we always have to take is then have action steps and who is responsible for encouraging this person um, to take the step or the, the pathway we want them to take. Um, so we're identifying leaders consistently. Let me just talk about how we do that um, with MTS in particular, because I think it is a strategy that we f- see churches not always do a great job of, um, and we need to get better at it as well. Um, but we'll, some, moving someone towards MTS takes a series, some, some people can take years. Um, and so we use MTS mission-minded as a key strategy and invitation for um, moving a broad range of people who we think should consider it and sometimes maybe people who we're not sure about will still invite to that because we want them to, either way to catch the vision of the kingdom. It's not just HBC that we want to be developing leaders and raising people up for gospel ministry. Um, we have those. We start flagging those conversations now, and MTS Mission Minded is in October. Um, so we're identifying. We have a Google Drive, and we list out the you know over a hundred people at church who we want to invite to that, and then someone's name's put next to them who's responsible for inviting them and encouraging them to go along. Then, as we start to kind of you know identify people who we we do want to move towards MTS. Um, again, about this time of the year, we start having those conversations with them, encouraging them to apply. Um, and now that, that's a process of you know, a few years to move to that. But now we have, I think we've got 35 people in our Google Drive doc at the moment um, who different staff members are responsible for, for identifying them and inviting them to apply for MTS. Now our goal is that um, 10 people will have the interview and that about, well, a bit, where our, our goal is to have 10 people apply and would do it. Um, the thing that's limited us, unfortunately, in the last few years is finances. So we've had to say no to people doing MTS because of money at church. Um, but that's kind of, that's, and I, I think that's something we, as a network, need to jump on board, whether you're a small church, whether you're just planting, or whether you're a large church, you need to create a system for how you're identifying leaders, not just through MTS though, but through other pathways in your church as well. Um, Now let me talk about this uh, leadership pathway a little bit. 
Uh, as you grow as a church, one of the things um, you need to think through is how you call people into ministry more formally. Um, so you can no longer rely on small church kind of um, just, you know, you bump up to someone organically and invite them into ministry and those kind of things. Um, you have to develop a system for, well, you don't have to, but it's good to develop a system to um, move people into ministry teams. And so we kind of have two ways that people are moved into ministry teams at church. Um, most, most of the way, and previously, we, we worked on a kind of free agent philosophy um, so that if you were running a ministry team you're, and you're just wanting to survive, then you're just calling people into ministry and you're recruiting and doing those things. Um, and that's important to have. It's good to have because it means the DNA of our ministry teams is calling people into ministry. Um, discipleship happens through relationships. And so if I get alongside someone, I start to develop a good relationship with them, then I would love them to come into my team so we can continue to do ministry together. Um, but the problem is as you grow, um, people, um, a groupology kind of thing happens where people are less likely to approach you to serve. They, it's harder to see the needs of the church. They don't know where to serve. And now I reckon sometimes we automatically assume that it's their sin. They're not eager, they're not keen. Um, but it's actually just more a growth dynamic kind of thing that happens. And we just need to have a clear pathway for them and have an intentional conversation in terms of calling them into ministry. Um, and so we've developed part of my role as a ministry pastor is a formal process that out of our membership series within a month, we have a team in each congregation who has ministry conversations. That's their big ministry role, is me equipping them and what that looks like um, in inviting people to join different ministries based on their character, based on you know, their, their life stage and different capacities and, all those, and their gifts and all those kind of things. And we try and then move them towards a ministry team we never promise the ministry they're going to go in. We leave that up to the ministry team. We go, okay, we think this might be worth a trial. We'll contact the person in that ministry team and then it's their job to be responsible for calling them into the, their ministry team and assessing them further and, and, and then equipping them from there. Um, so, And we, we try and do both. So I don't want... The problem is if we move to just that formal thing, then the whole church becomes reliant on my team and I don't want all that responsibility. Um, but I become a bottleneck and I become ineffective and we move ministry out of that discipleship relational kind of thing too much. Um, and so I want both, we, we, we aim for both to be working together. And that creates messiness um, and attention that we just have to manage um, and, and keep communicating about. Um, so I think you need to think of a formal process and how you're going to do that. Um, you may not have, as the church grows too big, you may not have those kind of resources to have ministry t connection teams in each congregation, but you still need to think of how you're going to formally invite people um, into ministry as your church grows. Now, can you bring the dots up, Greg? This is, um, so this is one of the things we use to help um, show people what ministries are at church. Um, we run them kind of through the M's that we, we run at church and we have, you can see within this kind of our layers that we, some of our layers in how we think about ministry. Um, this is really helpful, it shows people, wow, there's lots going on at church. I think one of the things we've identified though is that one of its weaknesses 
that there is no conviction, it's not tied to any vision, um, it's really just an org chart um, that looks pretty. Um, and it's helpful, um, but we've now developed on top of this, the next slide, um, you know, a picture of, so that says serving Jesus um, together up the top, um, and we have our logo is a lighthouse, um, and so as we sit down and have a ministry conversation with people, we, we don't want to say, come and join the welcome team, you know, it's t- um, an hour or three hours, you know, this is the kind of time commitments, this is what it looks like. We want to start with the why, the conviction, um, God's word, in terms of why we want to encourage everyone to come into ministry. And then we'll say, if you're new with us at church, you've just come through our Connect series, we'd love for you to start serving kind of in these, these top layers so we can continue to get to know you. And we'll say, here's kind of what it looks like, but we're always wanting to encourage to develop you and equip you and we want to keep giving you more responsibility um, as we're able to, um, so we can raise, you know, raise raise more people up. Um, and so we we have a I've broken down. I think I've got a picture of it at the end, which we don't need to show now. But I've broken down what that ministry conversation could look like, the ideal, and we've equipped staff, equipped our ministry connection team with how that goes about. Um, another thing in our leadership pathway before we get onto the actual pathway itself is that our database this is a system um, we need to we need to survive using the database um, because church is at such a level now where I can't know everyone at church I can't know what they're doing I can't, I can't even remember everyone's name anymore which pains me a little bit but that's okay we don't have to we're, um, we're not God um, and so the database we use it to identify people who aren't in a ministry team so I'm consistently running reports of working out, okay, who are the people who we haven't been inviting into teams, who are the people we need to have conversations with. Um, and it's really helpful because when someone moves into a ministry team, it helps us as a staff and ministry team love them um, by not having multiple conversations with them about why aren't they serving or can they serve more and things like that. So it helps us identify then when they are in a team as well. The other thing the database does is help us run numbers and give us a helicopter view over church um, and kind of over each congregation um, where we can see are certain ministry teams struggling and then we can ask questions into that or are there certain patterns forming. Um, So one of the patterns at the moment in our PM uh, congregation is um, that uh, young mums um, disproportionately compared to our other um, services um, aren't in a formal ministry team as much. Um, now that doesn't that not necessarily mean they should be, but it just means that's identifying something that we need to think through, and whether we we need to have more ministries that help them kind of engage, or ways that we can, you know, work work around that, or is there a sin issue happening there, or you know, all those kind of questions. Um, I then am able to run reports for each ministry team, um, so. Uh, we'll run a report and say, okay, there's three things that I want you to know, ministry team leader. Um, here's who's in your team. Is this accurate? Um, good. How are you going at developing and equipping them um, and moving and handing over responsibility and doing all those things? Who are the, We have a potential member thing, so I flagged, I'm, I want to invite that person into my ministry team. How have you gone at inviting them into your ministry team? Um, get onto that or, okay, they're back to us then. 
because um, they've said no. Uh, and then, hey, here is the people at church who aren't formally serving. Is there anyone here that you think would be great to come into your ministry team that you know or you, you, you know, you, you're excited by them coming into ministry? Can you invite them or we can have the conversation, that kind of thing? That's the database. And then we have... Um, this is a pathway that we've just kind of started um, getting clarity on now. This is something we've done probably intuitively um, and now we're just starting to get clarity. So next, that's the reports. Next, that's the one. Um, so this is how we think about our kind of leadership pathway at church. Um, now a lot of this clarity has come, um, this stolen um, so EV have something similar to this. Um, there's a Lifeway resource that Geneva Push have that um, I'm pretty sure is, it's Leadership Development Pipeline, it's called. Um, and this has just helped us really clarify about how we were kind of already running our teams. But the clarification, you'll, I'll talk about in a second how it's actually really helped. So at the first layer, you've got a team member who kind of is your worker um, and that's where we want most people to start serving at church. And their role is really to love people as they serve as part of a team. Um, and so examples of that would be a welcome welcomer, someone who does the computer week in, week out, a soundy admin, you know, trainee levels for kids' church or for our evangelistic series, those kind of things. Um, they start off there. And I want to stay f- say from the get-go that people... Um, at that team member worker level, they can stay there, okay? Um, I think we need people who can faithfully stay there and those kind of things, but we're still, because leadership and certain competencies are a gift, um, but we're still looking for those guys to drag and give more responsibility to. Um, The next layer is a people leader. Now, their role is to love and have a shepherding responsibility over someone. Um, So we have welcome pastors um, who... Uh, basically pastoring people into building relationships and connecting with church. Um, the welcome team leader who looks over, looks after the, the welcome team. Um, a life table leader or a growth group leader are kind of in that, in that category where their role is to love and shepherd um, people underneath them. Then we have a team leader um, and their role is to love and shepherd people but starting to do that through systems and that's kind of really a leader of leader level. Um, so our growth group leaders will have someone which we call an L2 who meets with them to coach them and pass to them. Um, we have things like a, a whole life team leader, so the person who's responsible for looking after our life series, our evangelistic series. Um, and they, their role is to do a whole bunch of th- compl- complex things and delegation kind of things. So they need to be able to work through systems to be able to hand over responsibility through their teams. That's kind of the team leader role. So they love and shepherd people through systems. Then we have a ministry leader who is to love and shepherd people through purposes. Um, And that's where our staff would sit. But we also want to raise up laity and and lay members into those roles who we call M champions. And so their role is within a congregation um, to work out um, how we can keep helping that congregation glorify God if it's magnification or encourage us to be seeing ourselves as saved and sent if it's mission. And so they're championing that purpose. They're really good at, we want them to be getting the vision and communicating the vision. 
Um, and then, then they lead down through those other, t- other systems and teams. Um, and so at some of our congregations, that would be a staff. Um, but now we're at a stage with four congregations where we really need to keep raising lay people up into those roles so that the staff can kind of sit over the top even more. But they, the staff will kind of still be defined in that ministry leader role just over the whole of church. Um, now, before we clarified this, one of the problems that we were having, um, or not a, maybe a tension, not, not a problem, um, was that you know, our growth group, was such a th- growth group leaders were such a thirsty uh, ministry and we need to keep kind of moving people into there. And so people would just feel like Sw- Richard Sweatman, our maturity pastor, you know, they get angry and not, not fully like kind of joke angry, but he'd just come and plunder everyone towards the end of the year and we kind of have to restart our teams and things like that. And to a degree, that still, we still want that to happen. Um, but then people would kind of stall as growth group leaders um, because it was such an important ministry to our church, it still is. But then we weren't really clear on, okay, what, once someone's a growth group leader, like that, they kind of went there and just sat there as growth group leaders. This now helps us to go, okay, we can now move people to growth group leaders. We still want to keep feeding um, growth group leaders to church, but they may not go to maturity. They might stay within a team or go to another team as we hand over leadership responsibilities. Um, or, okay, I really, we really need this key kind of person and I think that growth group leader is fantastic to be a team leader. So now we're tapping sweaters on the shoulder now, saying actually can I take him out of your growth group leading uh, or her to move into this role. Um, and that's, that's really helped us as a church get clarity over that. And that means it makes Sweater's job even harder, which is good for him because he's so good at it. Um, and he makes us feel bad. Um, so now we get to strip him a little bit, get a bit of payback. But then actually the pressure comes back to me as the ministry pastor in ensuring that we're feeding people and, and calling people into ministry. Um, the other thing that this pathway has really helped us do um, is work out what are those roles within each layer, what are, what are kind of similarities across each of the ministry teams. Um, and that kind of helps us get clarity on the ministry role descriptions that we want people to be doing within each kind of thing. Um, and one of our pastors who's probably ahead of the game compared to the other guys at the moment is our kids pastor who's developed a, um, a handbook um, for serving kids in ministry. Now, a few of our pastors have this written down, but they just haven't had been as clear in presenting it to their team like um, the kids' pastor has horse. Um, and within this, you'll see ministry role descriptions. He starts with the purpose and the vision of why kids' ministry is so fantastic and why it exists. He gives people a minimum time commitment to it, but he wants to show them how that they can grow in their responsibilities and ways that we can keep equipping and training them and those kind of things. And so he has well-defined kind of roles within his team that it brings a lot of clarity um, and actually helps us in setting clear expectations and raising people up into different ministries. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, can you ask a question again? Sorry. <laughs> so, just some of the one-to-one 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, so one, we're not anti one, one to one. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so our our growth group leaders are in the people leader category, um, because their responsibility for um, so you can another way you can break up these categories, and it's probably more helpful language, and maybe we'll change it. But um, you got your worker or your team member, a leader, a leader. Um, so leading others, leader of leaders, and then ministry leaders leading ministries. Um, and so our growth group leaders are the leaders, but we have L2s that are designated to do one-to-one ministry as team, their team leaders um, who will meet up with their growth group leaders to coach and train them. On top of, though, um, we do growth group leader training uh, once a term um, where the whole maturity team gather um, for training. Um, and Sweaters, who is our maturity pastor, with some of his ministry leaders, so he has people kind of in each congregation that are ministry leaders, will then work on training. Um, so my wife's an L2. Last Thursday she went to an L2 training night um, and those kind of things. Does that help clarify your question? Yeah, so what else does the L2 do? Is that they've got, they just move to different Bible study leaders? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sweaters that have a better handle on exactly, but they're not, it's not limited to the one-to-one thing. They're, they're thinking about, um, they do the leaders in training stuff as well. So they do some of raising growth group leaders up as well. Um, and then they're also thinking about kind of more um, assessment and critique of the culture of maturity at church. How can we do a better job of that purpose? So they're, they're shifting from just thinking about um, the ministry specific tasks and things like that and starting to think strategic, think about the purposes, the vision, and so they're making that shift in that kind of level, if that makes sense. But in terms of hands-on, their minimum kind of level of ministry, it is just the one-to-one with growth group leaders, but there's expansion in that role, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, great question. Let me, let me give you a few examples of people. Um, that will help us get a handle on this. So just... Um, just flick Lockie up for a, um, not too long because he's good looking. Um, this is Lachlan. Uh, he's a good egg. He joined church with us in 2014. He started as a team member in our, one of our kids' ministries called Little Buds. Um, he then moved horizontally uh, as well as doing Little Buds to doing a life trainee table leader as a team member. After he was equipped and trained, he then moved to being a people leader at the Life Series, so he's a life table leader. Sweaters came and approached um, the ministry leader to say, can I take him for a growth group leading? The ministry leader saw potential in him and said, no, I want to keep him here. I've got plans for him. I want to develop him. He stayed in the Life um, team uh, and now he runs the Life Series as a team leader. And now we're going, you should do MTS. Um, you should become a ministry leader. And so he's thinking a bit, he's on our list for this year that we're hoping and praying might move towards doing MTS. Uh, next photo. This is because um, some people then go, you're on the uni church kind of doorstep. You know, you've got lots of people. This is John and Al Stark. They're 40 and 36. Uh, John joined church 2013, started as a Soundy team member. Then he was a muso, so still team member. Um, and then he actually jumped to being a team leader um, as an MC. 
Uh, he again was approached for growth group leading, which would have actually meant he went down um, to being a people leader. And the mag pastor said, no, I've got plans for him. And now we're moving him either into doing, for him, he's got tricky life circumstances. Um, we're thinking about whether MTS might be something worthwhile for him um, or whether we make him a mag champion, he decides to give us a few days a week to church as a volunteer. Um, so we're thinking through that. Al, his wife, similar kind of thing. Her passion's kind of in evangelism, so she's kind of moved into mission stuff. She was, they've got three kids. Their eldest is going to school in 2019. Uh, the youngest, sorry. Well, f- so then all kids will be in school, 2019. She's working two days a week as an OT. They could have done more, but she's decided, I'm only going to do two days so I can give church these many days. And we're gra- grasping on that, and we're probably going to make her a mission champion at one of our congregations alongside another guy. And then you've got guys like Rob and Jill Bennett. Uh, so they're... Uh, Jill would, Jill would um, kill me if I told you her age, but Rob's 67. Um, uh, they've been growth group leading for ages, so that people lead a level. Um, and now I don't, I'm not sure that they have the, the gifts to do the kind of the systems and the purposes, that kind of thing. They're huge encouragement though. And so they've moved horizontally to doing life table leading as well. So they're, they're, basically they see themselves in full-time ministry now in retirement. So they're like, what, what else can we do? Um, so we move them to life table leading. Um, and now they're kind of in a team leader position where they run, help run follow-up um, through our Christianity Explored that we do after life. Um, we, don't, we used to call it after life. And, then, um, uh, and they're involved in training people in how to run Christianity Explored as well. Um, so there's some examples of people of how we're trying to intentionally move them and increase their responsibility. Just go back to the layers again. I'll just make one point. Um, so you've got your team member. One of the big things you need to move from being a team member to a people leader um, is character. So you're moving into leadership. So 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, those kind of things. Um, but it's also competency. And then we want character to be found out. Like we're always developing everyone's character. We want character to be foundational from then on, but the big things that move kind of people into more responsibility are then their gifts as leaders. That's how we kind of view it, if that makes sense. Um, uh, what's 12 o'clock, so we've got about half an hour. I can give you an example of how that looks like, how I think through that in the ministry, M, just to give more time if you want, but you can come back and ask for that. Um, let me go on to the last thing which is equipping others and investing. Um, now, this pathway actually helps us in think through what we need to be equipping people. So as I said, the kind of four layers that we use, um, we're thinking at that team member role, how do we encourage them to lead themselves? And what do we need to be growing them in, in those kind of things to lead themselves, their prayer, their Bible reading, their character, growing their knowledge of God, evangelism, all those kind of things. And again, I want to reiterate, it's great if people can stay there. Um, and then um, in the people leader role, we want to equip them to lead others. So we want to think through, okay, to lead others, to be a growth group leader, to be a welcome pastor, what are then their skills and gifts um, that we want to develop them, as well as continuing to develop their character. Then you move to the team leader role, and now they're lead, leading leaders. What do we need to equip them with then to carry out those kind of things? So they've got to start communicating vision, 
thinking about systems, handing over responsibility, delegation, those kind of things. And then you move up to the ministry leader. They're leading ministries. What do we need to equip them with? So we really need them to catch the vision of our church, to be able to contextualise the vision to their congregations, to be strategic thinkers, developing and implementing systems, being innovative and creative, all those kind of things are things we want to kind of build into their culture and their DNA as leaders, um, as well as all the other stuff that's come underneath for them to move into that level. Um, how do we go about then the equipping? Um, we've got a few things that we do. So our ministry teams then kind of think about their directs. Um, so who are, if I'm a ministry leader, who are my direct team leaders that I do one-to-one with to try and help equip those guys? But then as a ministry team, we want to equip as a whole ministry team in developing them. And then I've come in as the ministry pastor and gone, okay, this layer... We're going to gather all the people, all the M champions, all the ministry leaders, and we're going to do once a term a building leaders thing where Greg's going to come and we want to invest in these guys and Greg, as our senior pastor, come and communicates that. He's going to preach and convict them of the importance of growing God's kingdom um, and our role that God uses us, um, our sinful people, to do that. Um, and then I'm going to come and we're going to do competency. And so that's two hours. Um, EV, I know, are developing uh, online video casts uh, and podcasts to help kind of facilitate that as well. So we're thinking, okay, um, if they can't make that once a term or we want to do more equipping, how can we do that through those kind of systems as well? Um, and then basically all of those complexities can be brought down to how are we identifying people who are godly in character we can just keep handing over responsibility to and growing um, in their leadership gifts as well to multiply others. And so we want in their DNA, um, all throughout that kind of layer um, of a disciple-making culture of handing over responsibility um, and equipping others. Um, Now, I think that's something we struggle with in knowing exactly how to do. So I've just got one kind of thing for us as a system that we use as a staff team individually to help do that. Um, Yep, that's it. Um, And this basically... um, So this is how we help... helps us get clarity on how we hand over responsibilities. So on the bottom axis, you've got a leader to sides or the... um, So that's the person kind of above them decides who's coaching them or who's responsible for them or they decide, the member decides. And then on the horizontal axis, you have not much discussion or kind of reflection or training input. Um, And then up the top, you have lots of those things. And so in the bottom corner, you've got S1. So that's me going, okay, look, this is a process we have, and it's okay to have S1 things. This is a process that we have um, that we just, we need to do it this way, whatever it is. Um, and so this is exactly how you have to do it. Go and do that. Um, that's an S1 kind of thing. And that, that doesn't really give people the opportunity to grow in their responsibility or to, th- you know, to be innovative or those kind of things. But there are some non-negotiables in church where we would want to do that. Um, and then you move to kind of S, what we call S2. And that's where we have lots of discussion, lots of training, lots of thinking. But then... Uh, me as the leader, 
I will still decide how that's going to be worked out. Um, and I'll give, I'll give a, um, some clear explanations of this in a second with an example. Um, S3 um, is then we still have lots of input and investing and equipping and discussion about this, um, but then you decide, it's up to you. And then S4 is, okay, go with it, I, you know, touch base a little bit, but just roll with it. Um, so an example of this is we've got a weekend away for our Lake Mac congregation coming up. Um, and so I gather four members of our Lake Mac congregation to help me run that weekend away. Um, and I get them to be responsible for one of the M's at the weekend. So I've got someone who's doing magnification, which means under him will come the music that we're doing at the weekend, you know, thinking through the preaching, the emceeing, that kind of thing. Um, we've got a guy doing mission. It's not heaps of stuff on the weekend that he'll have to do, but he's thinking through into the weekend and out of the weekend, how can we leverage this to encourage us in being um, evangelistic? A uh, guy who's running membership, um, so he's thinking his purpose is to think through how can we uh, love people, build belonging and fellowship, um, those kind of things. And so some of his tasks will be like a welcome team, um, organising where people are, are staying, uh, those kind of things. Um, and then a guy for maturity as well, um, who's thinking through so particularly a seminar, the bookstore, those kind of things on how we can grow as well as having input into the um, sermon or the, the series. Um, and then I gather them, right, and I give them a vision. This is why we're doing this weekend. Um, we, we want this weekend to help people drag Jesus back to the centre of their lives. That's our vision for the weekend. Um, how are we going to accomplish that? So that's the why. How are we going to accomplish that? This is after we've um, read the Bible um, and unpacked that transformationally, hopefully, through the Spirit. Um, how are we going to do that? Big Bible talks um, that help us realise that life is not about us, it's about God. Um, now, th- that's an S1 kind of thing that I've already decided is Greg, as a senior pastor, needs to do for that congregation at the moment. Um, and then he decides, I'm going to do the session of Christ. Uh, the doctrine of the session, five big talks on that. Um, other things, how the meeting's going to work up, who we're going to have to the band, the songs that we're going to play, all those things, I delegate to the responsibility of the MAG champion for that weekend. And I say, look, who MCs? That's an S2 thing. I want your input on that. Um, but ultimately, we're going to decide who MCs that weekend. But I want you to think through what would be helpful for the congregation, those kind of things. Um, the band, the songs, that kind of thing, I've got no clue about music, that's S4. You roll with it, I trust you, go for it. Um, other things we go, okay, let's do that S3. Membership guy, I say, look, if I were you, um, this, is S- this is all S3. You go gather a team, I know you, you need a bit of development, that kind of thing, you need a bit of encouragement, so we'll talk about it lots, but I want you to be responsible for it. He comes back to me, and I thought I was like, right, delegated, responsibility done, I don't have to think about it. He comes back to me and goes, all right, I've gathered a team um, and I want to now meet with them and do what you've done. I want to give them the vision. Um, I want to help them see why this is important, but I need help in being able to do that. Can you help me? And I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I've got the time. I'm living in that kind of urgent, um, important category And then I go, but hang on a second, this is a way we get to develop this guy and encourage him in his leadership. 
And so I take him aside and spend an hour with him on what his probably two-hour meeting is going to look like because I know that he's going to then be able to reproduce that down the track um, and do that with... He, he works in membership, um, does ministry and that kind of thing. That's going to help him do those kind of things. So that's a picture of kind of how we use that S1 to S4 in handing over responsibility. Um, and if we're unsure about something, we'll keep it in our kind of authority and decision-making. Um, but I think we need to get better at taking risks and moving more responsibility and decision-making um, to our flock, pending who they are, their character and their competencies and those kind of things. Um, cool, all right. This is just another, this is another way of thinking through handing over responsibility from a skill level. Um, so you can go through, I do, you watch, we'll chat about that. I do, you help. Um, then you do, I help, and then you do, I watch, critique. That's just another way of um, thinking of it more of a practical kind of skill-based level. All right, any questions? Um, and Greg, I might get you to come towards the front now. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it gets messier when someone's doing two ministries or in two ministry teams and Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So the question is um like we've got these different ministry teams, it's complex. We're doing all this training. Um how does that not get messy as a, as a staff team? How does that not get messy for the people in those ministry teams that they're not out five nights a week, um, those kind of things? And my first statement to affirm that was, um, and if they're in multiple ministries, that increases the complexity and things like that. Um, I don't think we're at a stage where we're doing this well. I think we're, um, that's part of my role, I think, is next year. Though I don't have time to do it this year, I reckon. But we need to unify that more. And so we need to filter that through so people don't get structural fatigue. Um, at the moment, though, it doesn't work too bad. We as the pastors feel it and feel fatigued to a degree because we see all this stuff going on. Um, but my wife, right, um, she's doing L2. That's one, one night a term. Um, or two nights a term because she, she goes to the maturity, the growth group leader training as well. Um, that's the training that she does. And then she'll have a, a series of one-to-ones as an extra layer um, as part of that. And that's really, in terms of investing into her, um, she wouldn't feel stressed or busy um, from her ministry role in that. Um, you increase that to um, two ministries, and we use the language of, um, okay, that's the one that you're, that's a non-negotiable ministry kind of thing. Um, this is your secondary one. Um, not that you want to treat it as a secondary ministry, but if life changes or your capacity decreases, you opt out of that one. Um, and if that means you can't make the training for that one and think we want you to invest in this one. Yep. But, if it, but we have people who can do all, to all of it as well. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's messy. It's a tension and we've got to manage it. And I think we've got to do a better job of managing it. But, yeah, great question.
So how do you... In, um, oh, right, right. Thirsty teams as in they're, they're kind of being, they're being sucked and things like that. Um, yeah, I think if there's a high turnover in a team, um, we want to measure that and work out one question, we, a hard question we need to ask is why is there a high turnover? Um, so um, is it because people are leaving church because they've got jobs elsewhere? Is there external things going on? Um, is it because, though, we're not investing in them? So we want to ask hard questions of our leaders. Um, are we not supporting them well enough? Um, are they not equipped well enough? Those kind of things. Um, and so more thirsty ministries, can, that can be a sign that we've got a, a creeping problem happening. But another thing is we want some of our ministries to have high turnover. Um, so our welcome team at some levels um, is where we want people to start serving and then we're moving people out of, out of that responsibility as they show leadership gifts and character. And so um, the hard reality for the person who leads the welcome team, we want to keep saying... You sending people is actually a good thing for the kingdom. Now, our temptation, and this happens even within our team, is we get grumpy um, and we say, they're stripping us of my team. And we, we want to bash that <laughs> gently, lovingly, um, bash that way of thinking out of it and go, no, no, here's where it fits into the kingdom. And so, yeah, I think there's two, there'd be the two answers. Did you want to add anything to that? Greg? Um, I wonder if uh, one of the things that we identified a few years back is you've got to have a lot of people coming in at the beginning of your pipeline, uh, your pipeline uh, for people to be there at the end. And so one of the problems that people have with thirsty teams is that they're drawing from um, people who have already been developed by other teams. Um, and that's okay as long as loads of people are starting ministry at the beginning. Um, so I wonder if one of the... Scott was talking about uh, shifts that we need to make. One of the shifts that we need to make is we stop looking for the person who is ready and mature and we start moving people into ministry right at the very beginning so that we've got loads of people in those team member jobs. Mm. And that way we've found that the thirsty ministries are actually... They get fed. Because there's so many people coming in. And that's not a product of size. You could do that in a church of 20. It's, it's a way of thinking about it. I'm not just looking for the person who's developed. I'm looking for the person to develop. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's our, but that comes back to our responsibility of giving them the tools they need to do the job. So, my ministry connection team needs access to the database. They don't have it at the moment. Um, and so, I've created a, because that database training is going to take an investment time that needs to happen soon. I've created an easier system that requires more work for me at the moment that I need to snap out of eventually and actually just bite the bullet, spend time investing in them. 
yeah. But I, yeah, so I think it comes back to then, but that's still my responsibility to equip them. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is, it is messy. We're not doing it perfectly. We need lots of improvements as well. Yeah. 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 So the way we um, our church is structured, Greg's our senior pastor. Then we have five M pastors: magnification, mission, membership, maturity, ministry. And their job is to um, pastor a purpose. So as a ministry pastor, my big prayer is that we would be a people joyfully serving Jesus with our whole lives, um, and expressing that in the local church. That's my big prayer. Um, that's the vision. Um, that's what I'm asking God for every day. And then I oversee that in all our four congregations. Um, and so I'm over the whole church trying to equip those things. But then horizontally we have um, four focus pastors who oversee each congregation. Um, and their job is to analyse and keep thinking in particularly about that flock there in that congregation and to assess how we are going at carrying out those, those purposes in pastoring the, the flock at that particular congregation. And their job is then to agitate us, they have permission from Greg, um, to agitate us and have hard conversations with us when we're dropping balls, um, or to help innovate us in ways... But they're kind of influencers, they don't have um, pastoral responsibility in those kind of things... And so they get good at then helping us see the things we can be doing better um, and then they encourage us. And then if we are too defiant with them, we think they're silly, then they can pull the Greg card um, and say, look, this is an idea I've had. Do you think it's worth we actually sit down again and chat about that and Greg helps, helps them work through that. Yeah, so... Um, at a congregational level, we'll sit in a meeting and for half an hour-ish, 20 minutes, um, the focus pastor leads those meetings and he'll say, okay, we're going to spend some time thinking about in this congregation, who are the, um, the humble, the hungry people that we've been encouraged by, a godly character that we really want to invest in and develop. Um, and then out of that meeting, there's um, an action plan for one of the, usually one of the M guys or ministry leaders, might be a lay person, to follow them up and work out how we can encourage them. Uh, just in terms of your question, I wonder if, um, as any group of people gets bigger, meetings um, become your friend, meetings become how you get things done. Uh, every fortnight, our leaders will meet uh, according to those M purposes. And on the other weeks, the congregation leaders will meet. And so in terms of that congregation meeting that you're talking about, um, each fortnight or so, I think it might even be each month, um, the AM leaders will meet. And that focus agitator will sit down and he'll say, all right, well, how are we going as this congregation? And they'll each bring a report according to how their M is functioning in that congregation. The other weeks, the M guy gets the people together across the congregations and says, how is this purpose going in church? Um, which means that you end up looking at the congregation from two directions. What are our purposes about getting things done uh, across church? And how is each congregation going according to the things we want to achieve in it? And so the meetings run very differently and they end up talking about different things. Hmm. Um, and the, the congregation ends up being pastored better through it. Is that helpful? 
Yeah. All of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're, our welcome teams are fortnightly, so two weeks on, two weeks off. Um, but at the same time, it's an hour extra, two hours a month, um, with ministry team training once a term, um, and then the occasional catch-up with their team leader. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I think um, I want to keep saying, here's the ministry, uh, the minimum requirements... So two hours a month, you come one hour um, to church early the weeks you're on, and we run through that, and then one to term training. That's our minimum requirements. I I'd want to say that that's still pretty low. I think most people can most people can achieve that. I mean, you got mums and things like that who rocking up to church is hard enough and those kind of things. Um, yeah. So I don't. Th- I think it when we talk about everything we do, if sounds fatiguing but from the view of the average punter that's not always the case yeah yeah Yeah. Um, one of the shifts that Scott talked about was a shift away from rosters and towards teams and ministries. So I think, uh, and the, the welcoming one is a good one. If, if I'm on a roster once every couple of months um, to come and welcome, I see myself really as doing a job that I don't need to necessarily get better at, and it doesn't really tie me with people. I'm just getting this job done once every couple of months. Whereas if I join a team... Um, with a leader who I see uh, investing in me, having conversations with me, and the team has, has goals, it changes my approach to it. So one, I start wanting to get better at it. I start having ideas and I bounce them up to the team leader. I start feeling a lot more connected. And so I wonder if the flip side of that sense of intensity is actually a sense of involvement, um, of I'm being cared for and loved. I think the roster system, you, you end up with worker bees. Um, is what we found. Mm. We also we also have our um, ministry leaders will often gather their teams just for social things as well. That happens as well. So as they're um, almost being freed up in a sense um, at a higher level, they're actually getting time to just hang out with the people in their teams and do team building stuff as as well. So it's not just our growth groups and small groups where the belonging happens, um, but it's also within our ministry teams. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it just brings so much clarity into what we're doing. So the pastors were doing this intuitively, and I think the thing that gives the energy is the conviction. It's not the system. Um, but the system harnesses the conviction. Um, and so um, as, our, as our M pastors oversee this and as our ministry leaders... Um, oversee this happening, 
um, I think it just helps them be clear of what they're already doing and then it enables us to actually reproduce this in a number of different ways. I wonder if um, one of the difficulties is if, if this is an entirely new thing, you can look at the whole edifice and think, I've got nowhere, no idea where I'd start. It's a bit like I have no idea how I would start building this place because I, I didn't come in on the ground plan. I didn't come in on the building. If, if this is entirely new, I wonder if just a couple of the shifts would make sense. So mm. a shift from we run a series of events and we try and put people in them too, we run ongoing ministries. Um, a shift from we've got a bunch of rosters to we're trying to build teams. A shift from we're in teams where people just have jobs to do to teams where we're trying to help people to grow. And a shift from we just gather people in, into our teams randomly to we're going to try and intentionally target people and move them. There are four shifts that I think you can start with in your head. Mm. And then the systems that Scott's talking about, which I think you kind of you want to show the development of where it can end up. But those four shifts, um, I think, are, are helpful places to start if you've got none of this in place. Um, Scott can remind you of them again if you want. Yeah, and as well as the headings, so that's strategic thinking. Um, that's something we can do in our ministry teams, no matter how big or small they are. Identifying leaders, that's something, a system we can build into our teams. Um, yeah, so I think just thinking, not necessarily thinking all the ins and outs that we're doing, because we're at a church of where we're trying to get, um, yeah, a thousand people who call HBC their church. Um, but thinking at your level then of those broader things, then how does that outworking then can work for me? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like civic video. <laughs> um, you know, we're, I, our um, box collection... Uh, so for um, Dev's move, they've made the shift to teams and particularly about like money collection and things like that. Um, how do you build that team um, of those five old fellas who are really on that? How do you do those kind of things? Um, we're, we're still on rosters for that. Yeah, yeah, so we haven't made the shift for that. Um, yeah, and I, I mean our growth group who... So we have our growth groups rostered on um, for our setup as well as, and hosting as well as pack-up. Um, and they're rubbing shoulders with the welcome team who are there all the time. And then we kind of... Those tasks get delegated out to them. Um, yeah. So we're, we're but one step behind you in that. So I can't answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I wonder if it's maybe because that's something I mean one of the shifts I would think through is maybe incorporating that into a larger team yeah. as a task in, in the welcome team or um, so it's not just that very one task and you build a team around one thing um, that, would, that would make it a bit hard I don't know I, I can imagine a really inspiring team leading before that where you talk about this seems as if it's just um, we're performing a function that nobody's ever going to see and it doesn't affect anyone, except that what's this money going to be used for? Um, where is this money going? Um, 
And so therefore, how important is it that we treat it with integrity, that we do it properly, that we love and serve our people? Because this is actually the kingdom. And so I can imagine it actually being pretty inspiring. Um, maybe I'm just that kind of guy. That's right. The training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the training of how to do it. This is what you do with your wrist. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So, uh, our process, which I didn't talk about or did dig into, um, for uh, the people that I'm looking at to move into ministry, are people in growth groups who aren't in a ministry team, um, and so if they're not yet in a growth group, the way our purposes work then um, our, either our membership team's encouraging them to join church, our maturity team's then encouraging them to join in growth group. But I would want to say that it's not a strict rule. So there are some people that we would look at and say, actually, we might ask them to join a ministry team even though they're not in a growth group. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, the, the stats we run, the main group of people that I'm looking at, um, as a te- or our team's looking at to move into ministry are people who are in growth groups already. And already serving. Um, that's the other thing. I don't want to ever communicate that you have to join a ministry team to serve God. We want people to be serving him in their growth groups, their small groups, coming to church on Sunday. Lots of other ways that we can serve. But here's the, the way that we try and really equip and develop leaders through our ministry teams as well as those growth groups, Sundays, that kind of thing. Yeah, two. Yeah, we've we've got a, a central hub um, where we have our offices and things like that. Um, so we ha- we have that full time, um, and we can fit I don't know 150 people f- um, in that um, at one gathering. But then, like other meetings where it's key leadership, we encourage the pastors to do that within their, their home if they're able to, more personal, those kind of things. Yep. All right, well, I'll, um, I'll finish it there. Um, I'm happy to st- stick around at lunch if you have any questions. Uh, if you want that PowerPoint, let me know. I'm happy to pass that on as well. Um, and I'll say grace. and we'll, I don't know what the plan is, but I'll say grace and we'll head to lunch, I assume. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to um, pastor your precious possession. Lord, we pray that you would grow us um, in our love of ministry, uh, that you would grow us in servanthood and in humility, um, but you also grow us in wisdom, um, that as we have deepening convictions to reach the lost and glorify you, um, that you would help us to think intentionally um, about how we can better develop and equip Um, people for your works of service. Um, Lord, we ask that through this network and through our churches um, that you would raise up a number of godly men and women um, who are able to lead your people and that we can entrust the gospel with, um, that you would raise up a number of and multiply a number of gospel workers um, who can take this great news of Jesus' death and resurrection to all nations. Um, Lord, help us to have the humility to look within ourselves um, and areas that we are weak. Help us uh, then to um, develop ourselves as leaders 
um, to, to change our leadership styles as needed, um, but all for the sake of your glory and your kingdom. Um, and we thank you for uh, this conference and for the food that we're about to eat, and we thank you for the hands that have prepared it. In Jesus' name, amen.